Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. Life is motion. Embrace the flow within and around you and begin to experience the moment full of love and energetic potential to expand, experience, and flourish to maximize the internal freedom of balancing neutrally in the energetic flow of life. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant, and clairaudient intuitive, a writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Also, please visit my new blog at www.evolutionrevolutionwithdulcinea.com. There will be weekly Evolution Revolution guest posting pictures and topics of interest. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Jocelyn Chaplin author of the fantastic book, Deep Equality, Living in the Flow of Natural Rhythms, who exposes the limitations and the long-lived ineffectiveness of the limited traditional hierarchical perspective and offers meaningful insight into the revolutionary paradigm of living in the flow with peace and equality. Jocelyn grew up in southern Sudan and Ghana and studied in Durham and at a university in Uganda. She is an integrative teacher, leader, revolutionary, author, and inspiration to many. She has taught courses across the globe ranging from psychology and mythology at the Camden Institute to counseling and the goddess at the Mary Ward Center, from mythological journeys at the Skyro Center in Greece to communication skills for voluntary service overseas. Painting has always been central to Jocelyn's life, a deep passion that is rich with therapeutic vibes and can be a way of spiritual practice, putting into graphic form the rhythms of Mother Earth. In 1988, Jocelyn co-founded the Serpent Institute with John Rowan to train psychotherapists and counselors in nature-based spiritualities and radical politics, which is continuing to evolve today. She currently lives in North London with her talented daughter. Welcome, Jocelyn. Thank you for coming on Evolution Revolution. Hi. It's good to be here. Thank you. Mm. I'd love for you to share with myself and the audience the initial inspiration of the rhythm, rhythm model that you experienced in 1969 while on a plane returning from Africa. Mm. Yeah, that was the moment that I really felt um, inspired by the idea of rhythm being more than simply um, the, the musical sound. I'd grown up in Africa and been very affected by the much more rhythmic way of life in, in that part of the world. And I was returning to Britain for the last time, in fact, um, and was sitting in the aeroplane reading Life magazine, that year, and there was an interview with Jimi Hendrix, a great fan I am of Jimi, Jimi Hendrix. It was just a few months before he tragically died. And in this interview, he actually said the words, life is rhythm. And they kind of bounced out at me, like kind of, wow, you know, that, that's a kind of truth that I've been working with unconsciously and intuitively and there it was you know like in black and white and this was 1969 so it was quite a long time ago but I felt that this was actually going to be my life mission from then on and almost from that moment that eureka moment I've been kind of like researching the idea of rhythm in as wide a context as possible you know in um the, the, the you know the oscillations of the um, subatomic particles to the mysterious rhythms of the whole cosmos. Yes, from the <laughs> micro to the macro, the flow yeah. of life. Yes, absolutely. Yes. It's like the same kind of 
oscillating pattern, the same movement, is operates on all those levels and in all those dimensions. And is that what you then would incorporate as the rhythm model? Very much, yeah. I, I kind of worked on it um, in many ways after that, that eureka moment. Um, and I became a psychotherapist. And in my, in my first book, I talked about the rhythm model as a way of thinking about our personal development and a way of, in a way, a paradigm, a different paradigm of looking at ourselves that all of our inner psychological processes are, are rhythmic. They're trying to balance, if you like, the opposites within us, like, for example, our desire to be dependent and our need to be independent are two opposites that are rhythmically interconnected when we are developing psychologically. So for many years, I focused on the psychological side of, of the rhythm model. But yes. that's not all. <laughs> yeah, and you know, well, I think that's a very important element of it because the mind is a major um, limiting component to the human experience. So when we can open up our mind to the flow, we begin to create a portion or a percentage of the balance to allow the flow to rhythmically occur. Absolutely, absolutely. And it kind of helps to have a a mental model in the mind as well as being intuitive. I mean, I'm a great believer, as I know you are, in trusting our intuition, in trusting that uh, core of ourselves. But very often the mind has other ideas, as you know. You know, the mind can easily get into a more hierarchical um, framework where we've got a, a, you know, kind of this is superior, that is inferior. Whereas if we can change our mental, you know, paradigm, like mental model, to see everything in a kind of rhythmic form rather than a, a linear form or a vertical form or any sort of rigid form, really, it helps us to then relate the mind to the the body, the mind to the soul, if you like, too. Yes, and I have to validate in my own experience, the mental component came first for me, coming from such a strong scientific research background. Ah. My, my process was very mental, and actually probably always will be. Um, I have a very logical framework, <laughs> but I've been blessed with the ability to develop my intuitive awareness and allow that to work in synergy with the mind as I clear, which you discuss very much in the book Deep Equality, mm. as I'm clearing the hierarchies and the limitations that keep me from the freedom of the freedom. truth of who I am. Ah, that's such an important word, isn't it? Freedom. Yeah. It's really interesting that you came um, from a scientific background because so many people who do come from that background don't you know, necessarily relate to the more intuitive processes that we're going through. Uh, uh, you know, there's a kind of um, split very often in, in our society, isn't there, between kind of science and intuition and science and the, the, the development of the psychic. And yet, you know, someone like yourself has, has managed to bring the two together. And I think this is yeah. happening more and more, actually. Yes, and you know, I think it's a it's an indicator, it's a characteristic of the evolution of our species as a whole, mm. and I think it's highly indicative of the characteristics of what are often called indigo children. Absolutely. Is Absolutely. to have their feet on the ground and, and merge that with the higher intuition because they're mm. vibrating um, at a higher frequency that yeah. is more in tune with nature's rhythms. Absolutely. And, and that higher frequency um, has been often coming through in the past through the kind of like new wine in old bottles, as it were, you know, through the hierarchical um, institutions and ways of thinking. But the wonder of, of indigo children and what seems to be happening now, and also the, the younger crystal children, is that they are realizing, or it's a very deep understanding that those, as it were, old bottles just aren't valid for these higher vibrations, that, that they are 
often very suspicious of authority, which of course gets them, gets them into trouble very often with parents and schools, but yeah. realizing the limitations of that, you know, that hierarchical thinking and that this new high vibrational energy that's coming through these amazing people and that we're all, you know, working towards needs to have different framework, needs to have new bottles, if you like, new structures. And I believe that these new structures are rhythmic and equalizing. They're the, almost like the opposite of the old hierarchies. And that the reason a lot of these indigo children um, have problems in normal society is because they, they don't fit with these um, authority structures. There's a kind of a sort of a deep, in my book I call it loving rebellion, sort of an intellectual yes. understanding that there's something wrong about all this inequality and all this authoritarian, you know, approach. Yes, and you know, as you bring up the, the point of the indigos and the loving rebellion, it mm. really, they really are striving to rebel and break down the old paradigm mm. to bring up the equality yes. and live in an authentic space maximizing their freedom and the ability for all people to experience that freedom. And in order to do that, they, it's, it's like against their spiritual agreement to conform to the old paradigm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's, you know, it's so important for people like yourself and myself to bring up these models and this understanding mm. For, mm. for people to grasp and, and find tools of support for these children to live in this flow with a sense of freedom and understanding, but still remain functioning and actually excel in functioning in society. Absolutely, because it's not about, as, as you know, being, being out there in the ether, as it were. It's about being really grounded in society. And that's what I've, I've tried to do in the book, is actually give ways of everyday life. Um, we can actually flow with the rhythms in everyday life. It doesn't have to be you know, only when we're meditating or when we're in another space. And, and I think that the, the whole idea of um, freedom and being in the flow is often really misunderstood because it's not about just um, letting go. It's about being really deeply tuned in, like these children are, to what is right in the moment, not right in a kind of hierarchical moral sense, but just but being in tune with what's needed, what, what balancing mechanism is needed. And they are not like thinking in terms of superior and inferior because it's not about an elite coming in to kind of lead the revolution. It's about a kind of deep wisdom that's coming through more and more and more with more people that everybody can benefit from. You know, that everybody has that capacity inside them to be attuned. And I think that deep in the soul of absolutely everybody is this longing to just be, be a part of the flow, be, be free, be, be attuned to the rhythms of, of the, I call them equalizing rhythms in my book, that they are, they are naturally trying to balance things in nature and, and within ourselves. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a natural equalizing, not a kind of enforced, you know, state-imposed equality, if you like. It's a different approach to it. Yes, we are speaking with Jocelyn Chaplin, author of Deep Equality, Living in the Flow of Natural Rhythms. You can find Jocelyn on the web at www.serpentinstitute.com. Serpentinstitute.com. You can also find her link on the website www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com and that will be up there as well as our archive show for, for future listening and reference. So Jocelyn, what I really, one of the things I found in the book that was really valuable is the definition um, of intuition that you presented. It's intuition is being able to live in the present, attuning action, thought, and feeling, which are the, mm. a, the, a lot of the mental, emotional components, mm. to equalizing rhythms present in that moment. And I thought that was such a profound definition because it really captured all of the elements of balance. Being in the mm. moment, being mm. a verb, aligning the, mm. the mental energy of a thought with the emotional energy of a feeling, and then mm. attuning all of those elements to the flow of the current moment, yeah. the present yeah. moment. Yeah. 
And that is just so exciting because we all can turn to that level of life which will then in turn reward us with freedom and a new, a new deeper experience, a greater understanding of who we are. It doesn't have to take mm. us off our feet and you know, <laughs> catalyze us onto some spiritual journey. It, just, it can be as simple as making life more, more readily enjoyable and available, yeah. or it can, you can take it as deep as you'd like. It's, it's really free will, but the information is so powerful and again, mm. what I like is that you really balance in the book the intuitive element, which is a part of going with the flow, but what mm. you really do is bring in a strong therapeutic angle, especially mm. through the exercises following um, each chapter, which I'll, I'll refer to a few of them that I thought were just really great <laughs> as I, I read through them. Mm. And, and so it's like really allowing people, I told someone, I read this book and I was being self-helped, but I didn't know I was being self-helped. So it's a really good book. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, that captures it really well is like I really didn't realize how much you were holding my hand to take me through the exercises to clear my internal hierarchical blocks that are keeping me from experiencing freedom and living in the flow of my energy essence. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's lovely of you to say that. Um, it might be helpful at this point to give give some examples from those um, exercises. Would would that be helpful? Yes, let's go through them. So one, one of, two, yeah, yes, one of the ones that I thought was really great is okay. So I'm going to tie this to a point early in the book. So mm-hmm. early in the book, you bring up the point of rhythm mm-hmm. as the dynamic of psychological freedom. Yes. And I thought that was so important. It was the really Mm. first um, mental Mm. element that struck for me. Mm. And and you you say we describe ourselves as continually equalizing rhythmic processes. Mm -hmm. And then you go on to mention that it is out of a fear of freedom that we develop rigid identities and big egos. And then you pose the concept that maybe it is only when we are free psychologically as well as physically that we can truly go with the flow. So I tied that directly to an exercise, interestingly, in a much later chapter. Mm-hmm. And it, the exercises were with a training in the mysteries of the flow. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. and facing fears and trusting. Facing fears, mm. I thought that was something that we all could sit and do and really it's a very valuable exercise, let me tell you. Mm. So it's um, spending time alone, meditating, allowing fears to come up, and being faced is the next stage. So do you want to set the stage of that entire um, exercise process, the training in the mysteries of the okay. flow for Yeah. Now, I took this, this whole um, process from the um, ancient mysteries of Rhea, who is the Greek name of the goddess of the flow, very, very ancient uh, Greek goddess, the mother of uh, Zeus. And she is is kind of closest personification of the flow. And Pythagoras, who's better known for his uh, mathematics than than anything else, was actually initiate Mm -hmm. of of Rhea, which is really interesting. As we were talking earlier about, you know, science and, uh, if you like, the mystical side of things, they, they weren't separated in those days. And um, what I did was I took um, from ancient texts and I um, explored what they were trying to do and put it into a 21st century uh, context. So there were seven stages. I won't go through all of them in enormous detail, but just to give you an idea um, of what the seven stages are. Um, I call it a training in the mysteries of the flow, and I run groups in London to initiate people into this process. The first stage is, is emptying. I mean, in the old times, they would have called it purifying, but I, I feel that's a bit of a hierarchical concept, you know, pure and impure. So it's about emptying and letting go, washing away what's needed for the journey. And um, as I say in the book, this phase can take years of therapy, a lifetime of meditation practice, or a single night. You know, timing depends on the, the journey of each individual. Um, But the aim is to reach a point where we're able to control the mind enough to empty it completely for at least short periods of time. Um, And I teach very simple breathing exercises or using the name of of Rhea. 
And then the second, the second um, part of the process is trusting. And in the original um, initiations, they'd be a moving to a sacred space apart from the rest of the world. And to do this, you could just find a quiet space to sit down, close your eyes, imagine that you're in a cave, sitting on a black cushion and it's completely dark and you have no sense of direction or of time. Let the darkness enfold you and let go of any thoughts. Let go of your identity and become nothing. And then the third, the third stage is the facing fears that, that you've mentioned, um, which is looking at all the fears in your life so they can come up as thoughts or images. And you can see them as actual visions. Um, you can recreate them in pictures and then wipe out the pictures. But there are a number of techniques that I use to really face those fears. Because very often, of course, we're all in denial of, of what we fear. And I do believe that, you know, love to some extent is the opposite of fear. And in order to live in the flow of, of rhythm, we need to be able to face fears. Um, shall I go through the, the rest of the four stages very quickly? Yes, we will. And you know what I'd yeah. like to do also here? I'm facing fears. Another one that I thought was really important to mention, at least for me, was that, you know, I didn't think of this in the past, and it was really a, a really wise idea, was loud mm. noises. Ah, oh, yes. Yes. yes, such as the beating of <laughs> drums or screams yes. or drums, just yes. anything that can just emit the frequencies and give permission to l allow the oh, fear to emanate. That's so important. Well, it was part of the practice of the ancient initiation um, uh, ceremonies back in um, you know 500 BC that they had very loud drums and loud noises. Now there are two aspects to this. One is that you can express yourself. You know, I spend a lot of time, I work as a psychotherapist, and I spend a lot of time encouraging my clients to scream and shout and express themselves. So it's really important to allow yourself to be as loud as you need to be, perhaps especially in English culture, <laughs> but in American culture too. Um, you know, we're often... Um, you know, we're fitting in, aren't we, with what society expects of us. And uh, we need a chance to just let go, really let the scream come from the belly and from the depths of ourselves. And the other, the other aspect of the loud noises in this initiation is that it's also um, something that people have used in many, many cultures to frighten away bad spirits. Um, it's whatever one believes about the spiritual world and the other dimensions, it does seem that sometimes they, like, hang around, you know, as negative energies. We could just see it as negative energies. And they need a loud noise to be sent on their way, if you like, into the light. But without that banging, they hang around. Sure, <laughs> sure. It's, it's like somebody coming knocking at your door when you're taking a nap. It will sure wake you up. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. But, yeah. but to a spirit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wake, wake up, you know, wake up and you know, do what you're meant to do. You know? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah so this is, you know, the, the, the loud noise is a very, very important part of this um, this particular initiation process. Sure, and that it also really alleviates and addresses the psychotherapeutic element of bringing in the flow and releasing the, the fear yeah. energy. Yeah, because also this, the, the flow comes when you allow yourself to go to a little bit of extreme, because what I'm saying in the book is that um, there is a mysterious flow that when one extreme is reached, there is a natural movement to the other side, you know, so to allow yourself to fully express your fear, fully express your anger, gives space for the flow of your psychology to move to the joy, to the, to the love, to the, to the passion. Whereas if you don't fully encounter these strong feelings, you often don't fully encounter the positive sides to them. You know, it's even something like depression um, sometimes we need to allow ourselves to go right down 
and trust. I mean, trust is such an important factor. To trust that there is this mysterious process that will bring us out and will bring us to the opposite when we fully allow ourselves to experience what it is our soul needs to experience. Absolutely. I, I I agree, and within my own experience, you know, I, when I this is how logical I am. What you just presented when I was going through my very early process in college, I it was very early on, and I didn't know how to describe it. I was in physics, and we learned Newton's law: so as far left as you go is as far right as wow. you go. Yeah, and it describes yeah. this exact same premise. And so I always went, okay, if you're this much in fear, you'll get to that equal and opposite love, yeah. if not greater. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. (laughs) I used to draw little diagrams like I would in physics class, but in my journals to try to to just mentally allow the emotion to flow but not be um, succumb to it. Right. Yes. Yes. To be able to be with it. Mm. Yes. Yes. So in the training in the mysteries of the flow, what is the fourth of the seven elements? What is the, 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 the seven? Oh, the fourth one, right. Number four I call gathering the opposites, which explores the opposites within you. Um, you could talk about the shadow side, for example. You know, that, like, for example, I used to um, always like to think of myself as a really nice person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I had to really get in touch with the, the other sides of me, you know, the side of me that was quite angry and envious and all those kind of things. Um, Human! <laughs> <laughs> and, and, to, and to have a chance to act them out safely, you know. Yeah. So but there again, that's where noise can come in and where to express anger within a safe setting, within the group or, or in a therapy session or within um, a sacred space. And maybe even like dressing up as, you know, if you're used to being, like I was brought up a very good Christian girl and I felt that I had to express my kind of pagan priestess side, you know, so that would be dressing up very um, seductively to be the opposite of, of what I was, you know, the other side. Sure, sure, other than what you were programmed to be in the yes, hierarchy. Yes, Absolutely. And, um, yeah, and, and just to play with that. And In the book, I talk a lot about carnival, which is an opportunity to like wear masks and be somebody different so that you, you, you get used to these other sides of you. You know, it's like, I love, um, I think it's Walt Whitman's expression, um, you know, you talk about me being contradictory, but I am, you know, I am a multitude, you know. I, I am many, I am many. I don't have to stick to one, that we have all these different opposite sides. And the more comfortable we feel with all of them, the more we can play with them and be one and then switch to the other. Rather than feeling, you know, there can be a sense that we've got to mush all the opposites together. Do you know what I mean? I, I suppose what I'm trying to write about in the book is the play and the dance between clearly defined opposites, but recognizing that what really brings things together is the in-between, the flow that's in between them. You don't have to mush them into an artificial one, if you see what I mean. Absolutely. I see that the 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 clairvoyant picture that comes up for me is a continuum or a bell curve. Yeah. yeah and we could be at true. one tail of the bell curve or the continuum yeah. or the other. Yeah. And optimally in the middle will will be the peak center point of flow and balance. Yeah. But allowing to move to the left and to the right allows yeah. the center to be experienced. Exactly, exactly. And it's like keeping that center, that sort of core inside, isn't it, while dancing with the different opposites. So it, it's like there's a kind of fulcrum, if you like, isn't there, in the middle with the, 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 the seesaw, if you like, allowing itself to go up and down. Because I think perfect balance is a kind of, is a kind of deadness. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, you know, stagnancy. It's like we're not, although we're, we're equalizing and balancing, but we don't want to be stuck in a kind of, um, you know, abstract place of, of, of the end, like an end, end game or something. And again, I have to just really point out that the psychotherapeutic 
angle of looking at the uh, continuum of energy and then just looking, just thinking of the flow on the left and the flow on the right, mm. the flow in the middle, mm. and then allowing us to experience that emotionally, mentally, yeah. and physically, yeah. and being objective to that to just allow the balance to restore itself. Yes, yes, which involves some degree of trust that there is this balancing process going on, you know, that it isn't just up to us to control it. And that I think in our present society that's quite hard to test that it will balance naturally, that there, that there is a mysterious balancing force that we still don't understand. <laughs> you know, science hasn't caught up yet. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Something's going on. You know, the ancient um, uh, Chinese called it the Tao, you know, the mysterious Taoist uh, process of what is high becomes low, what is low becomes high. And it's it's a mystery still, I, I, I think. We may understand it better one day. <laughs> yes. Well, I think we're beginning to with your wonderful book, Deep Equality, oh. Living in the Flow of Natural Rhythms. Again, you can find Jocelyn on the web at www.serpentinstitute.com or, or at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. So this is just such an exciting book, and I think this comes at such a critical time in the shift of our humanity and our species yeah. really emerging into our higher essences and being. Absolutely. And and so I do want to I want to finish going through these training in the mysteries of the flow, mm-hmm. and I. The fifth element really ties in the human element, which is the interconnection of opposites. Yeah, yeah. And and sometimes this has been called the sacred marriage in, in other traditions, but it's like an inner marriage of the opposites. Um, it's bringing them together with a deep and full acceptance of the other within the self. And I think if you, if you use a deep acceptance of the other within it helps an acceptance of the other without. So this is very relevant to kind of accepting people who are different or who we may project otherness onto. If we can accept our own different sides and fully marry them, if you like, then we, we can stop, to see, stop seeing others, whether they're a different gender, a different color, a different religion, um, whatever um, the... the, the hierarchy might be as as deeply and profoundly parts of ourselves i think this this attitude to otherness is so crucial in the world today um as we hopefully move into a new stage of evolution um and when when that that seems to happen there's a tremendous release of love energy which has been kind of tied up inside us with our our fear it's very often fear of the other isn't it um whether it's the fear of somebody older younger darker lighter mm-hmm. stronger weaker all the opposites you know sure sure mm. the misunderstood absolutely yeah and um i do an ex- i get people to do an exercise which is almost like a ceremony for marrying their their opposites and ideally in some beautiful setting in nature, um, to actually hold a ceremony to to bring the two together so that you are you become as integrated and as interconnected as, as possible. And and the love that, that releases brings us to the sixth stage, which is um love under will, which I feel is really important, um because it's the recognition that that we have all of us our love essentially, aren't we? I mean, I know you you would agree with that. That's kind of the essence of who we are. Yes, absolutely. And um, and I I learned about um, the the initiations into love. Um, well, obviously my own experience, but also looking at some of the ancient traditions. For example, in Plato's Symposium, there's um, a teacher called Diotima who teaches about how to train the love. You start off by falling in love with a person. And the the exercise I use is you think about when you are really in love. Because I think, you know, when we fall in love with somebody, the passion is so profound and so beautiful. And then very often it goes wrong in some way or another. And if only we could... um, what's the word, hold on to almost or, or transform those feelings that we have 
at those times with those people and expand it and allow ourselves to um, feel that, not perhaps all the time, that's expecting it too much, but, you know, be able to um, direct it at will so that we can love at will. We can choose to love, for example, a, a mug sitting in front of us. <laughs> you know, that's, this is an exercise I do with my um, students is I get them to choose a really ugly object. <laughs> and uh, the more ordinary it is, the better. You know, so it's not even a beautiful object, but to just you know, bring and train the heart energy and, and the, the belly energy so that you look at this object and you fall in love with it. You can uh, make yourself, as it were, fall in love with this, um, this mug on the table. Sure, sure. And that's very healthy to really break down that barrier. Yes, yes. And um, there's something about, of course, you know, being able to really love yourself because so many of us are, you know, we've been brought up with conditional love, that we're only lovable if we behave in a certain way or we achieve or we, we fit the hierarchies or the ladders. And it's so important, um, you know, as we all know, but just we all need reminding of how important it is to just keep loving ourselves. So I tell my students to to every day look in the mirror and tell themselves how much they love themselves many times a day. And also, of course, with that, it's just a gratitude, you know, gratitude for being alive, simple fact of life, really. Yes, and gratitude and love and these exercises that we're discussing in the concepts, they allow mm-hmm. us to really experience and open up the flow for our life and to dissolve our inner hierarchies from a mental psychological level such as, you know, perfectionism or consumerism (gasps) or control. Or, you know, we could go on and on. Of course, there's a whole DSM-4 here in the U.S. that we could go through, Mm. (laughs) a psychological (laughs) manual, but we don't want to waste our time there. But um, Mm. the the idea is that it really just requires coming into an awareness of who we are not to allow who we are to radiate. Yes, absolutely. And, and a lot of the book is actually, you know, just about looking at your everyday life in a compassionate way, not being hard on ourselves, because we're all, I mean, I'm full of hierarchies, you know, even writing a book, you know, you're kind of... Of course. You're, you're, you know, you're putting yourself in that position to sort of, oh, I should sell so many copies and this kind of thing. So sure. I'm full of hierarchies, but I'm I'm looking at them and I'm 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 just noticing them. Sometimes all you need to do is just notice. Like you know, you go to a party or a social occasion, and you know you go there and you might be thinking that you're inferior or superior. You know, in one little way or another, you know you're more attractive, less attractive, richer, poorer, and just just to be kind to yourself, just to notice that these things are going on, you know, not to kind of beat yourself up and say how awful it is, but just that gradually, gradually they start to dissolve as you, well, as you love yourself more and as you, as you notice them and laugh at them in a way and see how, you know, how crazy we all are <laughs> in modern society. Despite all the massive changes in the world, we're still you know, we're all still a little bit affected and stuck with those, as you say, perfection being a big one. (laughs) Yes, yes. I think here in America, I mean, I live in Southern California Mm. in San Diego, and just the, I mean, I probably think 80% of girls in Southern California have um, a breast, fake breast, and the idealism for what a woman should be and just that strong perfectionistic hold. And then, you know, of course, if you go into Northern California, which is also where I've lived and and thoroughly enjoyed, there is a different norm and a different Mm. ideal, and it completely shifts. So I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be more diversified um, geographically that I don't become consumed by the geographic hierarchies per se uh, yeah. as much as some. Yeah. But um, it's it's required me to be very conscious and aware to remain in my own inner flow mm. to not mm. be caught up in those hierarchies and those ideals and this mm. perfectionistic mm. Um, thought processes from society or within my own mental constraints. Oh, yes, they sink in very deep, don't they? So they become part of us very easily. Yes, unconsciously. Yes, yes. Because I think on the surface, you know, we've got a lot of equality. We've got, 
you know, gender equality, race equality, up to a point, obviously, not completely. But it's these more subtle ones that have sunk deeply into our psyches that are, you know, still damaging us all and damaging society in in ways that we're not always conscious of. As you say, it's unconscious often. Yes, yes. And, Mm. you know, interesting, through what I, you know, I'm a clairvoyant, and one of the things Mm. that I look at in my angle of work is this exactly. I I see it's a really beautiful experience. What would happen, and this pertains directly to the model that you're presenting here, um, but from instead of from a psychotherapeutic perspective, just a little bit different clairvoyant angle, mm. is I see a layer of programming and it codes in the DNA. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, I see it in its social, governmental, religious, yeah. cultural, yeah. and familial. So I see five major categories of programming. Yes, absolutely. That's another way of putting something very similar, isn't it? That it's, yes. it's deeply embedded. And, and it's interesting you mentioned DNA because one of the things I've been uh, writing about is about this the, the the form of the rhythmic form, if you like, of of DNA as a form, and and uh, looking at string theory in particular, that is um, about everything being. Um, how shall I put it, being vibrational, being oscillating, being moving, being rhythmic, and that what's happened to us is that we've kind of got these programs which are essentially hierarchical, which are kind of like the opposite of how nature is. I mean, nature automatically balances everything, but the, the very smallest level and the very biggest, everything is is um is balancing and equalizing and and rhythmically changing but we have been programmed and we need to kind of like reprogram ourselves and i guess one of the ways i'm suggesting that we we reprogram or unprogram i suppose is a better way yeah, to deprogramming <laughs> deprogramming yes it's to kind of uh, is to replace it with with rhythmic thinking so that all the all those different both the religious and the fami- family those those um, programs that you're talking about, yeah, can be loosened up to actually flow with that kind of I think of, of like the double helix and the spirals, all those different shapes that of the DNA. Are, yes, yes, that that shape in itself has a fluidity to it, and and it's the same shape that we find in in um, in nature in, in many in many ways that can help us to to kind of dance out of that programming, you know, rather yes. than, um, you know, kind of feel that we're going to be stuck in that forever. It's like we're in a prison, aren't we? We're all in sort of prisons of these of this programming. We, so we are, and we agree to it. I always tell my clients to really be, mm. um, I try to keep a balance, of course, to the information mm. for, for, my, for, for all the sake is that these programs serve a purpose because as spirits we want to grow. So we choose a program, for instance, a cultural program where we may be repressed as a woman mm. or we may as a man expect all the responsibility of a family. Mm. And that's a burden. But in fact, we've chosen that programming for a period of time. It's beneficial. Uh-huh. But then there's a threshold where that programming becomes detrimental. It's no longer in service to the higher good. And that is why, so I'm trying to keep our neutrality theory here, that programming can be neutral, but when in fact programming hinders us from our flow, it's no longer in our best interest. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would sort of also add to that something I write about a bit, which is the, the balancing process through many lifetimes. That yes. we actually need to experience the opposites so that we can learn what it's like to be very powerful or very powerless, to be a woman, to be a man, to be black, to be white. And that we're, we're all learning as we go through our soul's journey about these, these opposites. So we may have to come into this lifetime in a particular culture with a particular set of programming, a particular set of issues. But when we have um, learned what we've had to learn... We don't have to be stuck in it. I think that it's the word stuck. It's being stuck or trapped in a particular program that's the problem, isn't it? That when it we is. learn what we need to learn, we can, we can then go off into the opposite and we can learn to dance with it so that we're not, 
we're not only in that one role, if you like, like you might mention about the learn to be a responsible family father or something, but that's, that isn't any longer your only role in life. Sure, it's, it's not identifying. Yes, yes. yes. Mm. I'm seeing. I'm seeing your all of these pictures are flying everywhere around me. Clairvoyantly, I see the that that we don't choose to adhere to being the light teacher or the brother or the mother or yeah. the father or the caretaker or whatever mm. role that our our programming mm. may impinge or the doctor or mm. the lawyer or the political mm. figure, whatever mm. um, programming it may be, that we're an eternal being that's energetically in flow beyond all of those absolutely. limitations. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That we are, not, we are not any of those, but that we can dance from that place of our light being, we can dance with all of them. Yes, it create a continuum of experience. Yes, yes, yes. Very beautiful. Absolutely. So the seventh yes. element to the training in the mysteries of the flow is really being committed, as we've been discussing, to living rhythmically. Mm. Yes, yes. I do um, a ceremony with my uh, students, uh, final stage of initiation, which is like a symbolic surrender to the divine flow. And that that isn't a powerless surrender. It's a very powerful surrender because it's trusting that flow. And it's, it's um, you know, being committed to very simple techniques of, of meditation, which, which we all do and continuing to empty the mind and to attune to the, the wisdom of our intuition. And I get each person to make their own plan for the future because I'm a great believer um, in everyone having their own path rather than being too dictatorial about it, you know, so that they then, they then explore what they need to do. Because every person is dealing with different sets of opposites, and for some people, they need more discipline. They may be a little bit too laid back, you know, so they need to <laughs> have more discipline. Somebody else might be like too disciplined, so they need to be a bit more laid back about their spiritual path. So sure. it's always just tuning into what that individual needs. And it's um, always changing. <laughs> yes, yes well, what, what might be this week, uh, the, the, the imbalance, is a different one the next week. <laughs> Sure, sure. Keeping in the balance of the flow. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, that's very true. <laughs> so it's just phenomenal. We're speaking with Jocelyn Chaplin about her great book, Deep Equality, Living in the Flow of Natural Rhythms. So what is rhythmic therapy in some, and what are its goals? And what I really want to get here, too, is the integration of all the theories that you present in mm. sync with the macro-micro energetic flow. Mm. I think you integrate all that to bring that forth. And so that's really what I'm aiming yeah. for in this question, is, is that, that angle. Oh, wow. Well, it's like, I guess it's to do with the personal and the global, the local and the global, the personal and the political, in the wider sense of the word political, is that when you're tuning to the opposites and 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 living in the flow, you're, you're not thinking about, you know, success and failure, superior, inferior. So being in the flow has a kind of like a political dimension in a sense that brings us to the um, desire for equalizing in the world as a whole, you know, and, and that, that brings in the social dimension so that um, there's a connection between your own um, inner balancing, equalizing processes and a desire to work where there are imbalances in the world. I mean, for example, the enormous amount of poverty in the world, that when you're in the flow, you feel a natural desire to do something to help, whether it's to do with climate change or, or to do with inequalities or to do with... Um, people have their particular areas. Some people are, are involved in, in gender issues. Others are involved in, in, like, say, race issues. But there is a link between inner balancing and inner flow and outer work that needs to be done at this time of, of enormous transformation. And we have a great opportunity now in the world to really change and to bring this new paradigm, if you like, through into action and action on a global level as well as a personal level. Um, or we could stay with the old, tired old paradigms of win and lose and, and the idea of this person or this group 
or this country or this or this way of of being is superior to another or we can choose to completely shift our consciousness this new consciousness is coming through more and more at the moment and it's a fantastic opportunity but it needs to be um out there uh, we need to be able to work with our um, our politicians and with people on a wider scale as well. I think that's that's what I'm also um, putting across in the book. Yes, very much so. And I think you mm. do a great job of pointing out the macro, the big picture, and then mm. also really giving the tools, the actual exercises and knowledge mm. and awareness mm. Mm. of the internal elements and the internal equality that would naturally create a domino effect of outer equality. I believe so. I really hope so. Because the old days of trying to force equality down people's throats are gone, but we need it more than ever in the world today. So it's like coming from inside rather than only from outside. Certainly, and in, you know, and and as we know today, I mean, here in America, especially here in California, the self-help and the spiritual development market mm. is just thriving and flourishing. Mm. So mm. I do see that there is a need or a demand or a seeking for self-empowerment that fosters internal equality. Absolutely. And books and books like yours, Deep Equality, offer the tools, the grounded tools mm. to understand the psychotherapeutic balance of the mental flow and the physical flow in sync Mm. with the larger earthly universal flow to create Mm. that inner sense of ease and and equality, neutrality. Lovely, yeah. That will then, again, just radiate out and give the world Mm. energy permission to receive. I hope so. I, I, I feel the time, I feel the time is ripe for these sorts of ideas. It it is, and and it's so exciting that we're here talking with Jocelyn Chaplin. You can find her on the web at www.serpentinstitute.com or on the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. So I would like to just touch base on what does goddessing symbolize? I think that is such an element of self-love, and it does have somewhat of a female connotation, but just the <laughs> self-love idea of goddessing, and I think that's so important. Ah, oh, goddessing. The, the important thing about it is it's a verb, you know. It's not, it's not like worshipping a goddess or many goddesses even, like we used to worship the male gods. It's the idea of a process, and I believe goddessing is is a bit like Rhea, is is within nature. It's um you know, imminent rather than transcendent. It's like an actual process. And of course, because it's got a gendered term, it uh, is often seen as being only about women, but I don't believe that it is. I think it's uh it's like a feminine form, if you like, that's within everything. But of course it's also true that um we need it to balance again balance the fact that we've had patriarchal religions for 5,000 years dominating the planet. And I think it's a really important counteraction to that, to bring the idea of goddessing and female spiritual power back into the, the, back to the earth, if you like. Unfortunately, there is a, a movement which has been going now for 20, 30, 40 years, um, very strong in, in the States, actually, um, to do that, to, to bring... Um, goddess in her mental <laughs> Yes, you know, I agree. And it's very popular, especially in Mount Shasta, Sedona, the uh-huh. real spiritual centers where I, um, you know, make my path. I, uh-huh. That is a big thing. And even the men are right. very humble right. in that it's teaching them to bring back their femininity and to release right. the ego to balance that that creative side of who they mm-hmm. are, which really femininity is the ability to create. To create life, to create. And men deserve that ability to create. They don't always have to be logical. They can be Mm. creative. And again, there's the social programming. So (laughs) (laughs) we're always learning and growing here. Yeah, yeah. It's a very very powerful, um, optimistic movement, I think. Yeah, Mm. well, thank you for Mm. sharing. I just thought that was an Mm. important point. Mm. So again, we're speaking with Jocelyn Chaplin, author of Deep Equality, Living in the Flow of Natural Rhythm. 
We are limitless spiritual beings on this earthly journey to learn, grow, evolve, expand, and face the aspects of who we are not, the illusions of fear, separation, loneliness, and all other separation-based emotions. As we encounter the fears, face them, they begin to dissolve and we experience healing, spiritual growth, and another layer towards wholeness. Life is a process of healing, cycles, patterns, awareness, and the opportunity to choose and create your experience as you desire with flow from an internal, authentic state of balance and being. Empower yourself and those around you by choosing an authentic and masterful existence for you are your own best master, teacher, and healer. Next week on... On September 25th, Sarah McLean will appear with her meditative expertise. She's the director of the Sedona Meditation Training Company and inspires speakers to take time out for time in through meditation. Sarah has vast experience, including her work with Deepak Chopra and Gary Zukov. She'll take us through an inspirational meditation live. Please be sure to join us. On October 2nd, Robert Bruce will offer his thorough look into the astral realms and the multidimensional nature of an out-of-body experience in his rich book release, Astral Dynamics. On October 9th, Dr. Susan Carroll with her enlightening book, Visions from Venus, a multidimensional love story. Susan offers a look into the higher dimensions and how they appear on Earth in times of great transition and transformation through a real-life story. On October 16th, Robert Schwartz will be appearing with his wise and insightful perspective on pre-birth planning or a spirit's look at the events and people that one will experience during their human existence through revealing true stories and a strong emphasis on Robert's personal experience. In the book release, Courageous Souls, Do We Plan Our Life Challenges Before Birth? On October 30th, Barbara Han Clow will offer a look into the higher realms with her multidimensional expertise and revolutionary concepts from her book release, Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, Decoding the Vertical Axes, Crop Circles, and the Mayan Calendar, and from her vast array of enlightening teachings, also to include her book, The Mayan Code. On November 6th, Chrissy Blaze will appear to discuss her latest astrological book release, Baby Star Signs, who portrays the new children of today as old souls who have come here during the crossroads to shift humanity to enlightenment during its evolutionary development. On November 13th, Barbara Marks Hubbard, a leading pioneer of conscious evolution, will be appearing with her expansive consciousness and meaningful book release, Conscious Evolution. Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential. On December 4th, please join me with Albert Clayton Golden with his authentic perspective in his re-release by Simon & Schuster of his book, You're Not Who You Think You Are, A Breakthrough Guide to Discovering the Authentic You. Albert will bring a new lens to authenticity and expand your horizons. Please join us. On December 11th, Chrissy Blaze will be reappearing with her latest astrological book release, Superstar Signs, Sun Signs of Celebrities, Heroes, and You. Join us as we delve into the astrological realms and discover our true nature. On December 18th, Jerry Wenstrom will appear with his passionate warrior story of transformation during his personal spiritual journey in his long-lived book, The Inspired Heart, An Artist's Journey of Transformation. You can purchase all of the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or you can link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the new revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found 24 hours a day to listen to at no charge for inspiration to include Carol Obley, Michael Tamura, Michelle Prosser, Debbie Jordan, Alan Arcieri, Chrissy and Gary Blaze, Jana Hollingsworth, Marcia Scarborough, Evo Dominguez Jr., Michael Skaronski, Dr. Susan Carroll, Karen Sawyer, Dr. Daniel Condren, Dr. Laurel Clark, Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, Dr. Adrian Windsor, 
Neil Donald Walsh, Taylor Wilshire, Dr. Barbara Condren, Jeff Brown, Anna Maria Hemingway, Charles Virtue, Marla Martinson, Michael Brown, Richard Blackstone, David Robert Ord, Megan Skinner, Dr. Lisa Love, Jennifer Weigel, Betty Youngs, Paula Marie Daxon, and myself. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings via phone, allowing me to connect with people anywhere. Please visit me on my website at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com under the Clairvoyant Reading page and explore the testimonials from clients, my contact info, and any background information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Be sure to check out my new blog at www.evolutionrevolutionwithdulcinea.com for weekly postings and guest announcements for Evolution Revolution. Co-create with Evolution Revolution, we are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Radio Sponsors tab at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Jocelyn Chaplin. Thank you so much, Jocelyn, for appearing on Evolution Revolution this evening. Oh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. I really felt connected. Great. Me as well. Mm. I think we've sent a great message and we can enlighten many minds. Mm. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the new and revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Good night.